Do you think humans can live forever? Okay, it may seem like a foolish question, but millions of dollars are being invested in research that has the purpose of leading to immortality. This is Monday, April 10th, the day after Easter. And this past weekend, an article emerged about a new technology that should be on the shelves by 2028 that promises to conquer death. Really, is this possible? Already we know that some creatures on Earth can live extraordinary numbers of years, but really is this human destiny? Here's our text for today, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 to 28. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Yes, now that sin entered into the world, everyone will die. That's what we looked at yesterday in our Easter service. Now, that's not saying that we might not find ways to live longer. We've done so in the past, and I think we'll continue to do so as we go into the future. Of course, our longings for immortality have to do with the pervasive fear of death. Already, we've done a lot to remove death far away from us. First, people that have come before us were in the presence of death day in and day out. They raised their own animals. They killed and bled and skinned and butchered and cooked their food, often within the scope of just a few minutes. A few years back, I remember meeting a man that raised and sold sheep. And the day I met him, he'd killed and butchered about 20 sheep to provide food for his clients. To me, that sounded like a lot of work. But it had only taken him a couple of hours. Now, it wasn't long ago that many families did this. Today, we find meat in plastic wrap on styrofoam trays in the meat section at the grocery store. We have located death far away from us. Our children have no idea where the food we serve them comes from. And second, most families cared for their parents and other relatives as they were sick and when they were dying. Nearly everyone died at home. By the time most people were older adults, they'd be been present for quite a few deaths. They'd also help to prepare the bodies of those they love for burial. Also, years ago, family burial plots were not far from the house. Often they were on the family's land. And those plots served as a reminder of death and the generations before them. Now, people are most often buried far away from home in cemeteries, or the body is cremated and the ashes are scattered, maybe even at sea. We continue to move death farther away and shield ourselves from having to think about it as much as possible. Now, we look at this day to understand how we became increasingly under the control of the fear of death. Last week, we looked at this passage from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity 
so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Yes, it is this fear of death that's described here in the book of Hebrews that drives so much of our lives. This fear is the root of much of our sin, far more than we realize. I think of our fear of death like an odor in a room. First, the odor permeates everything. Have you noticed how even your clothes and your hair will absorb a pungent odor? And second, you come to adapt to the smell until you don't notice it any longer. Years ago, when I was living in the Northeast, a skunk took refuge under the house where my office was located. When I arrived at the office, I could hardly stand the stench. I had to remain at the office to work, and the longer I stayed there, the less I recognized the smell. I slowly took less and less notice of it. But later that day, I had to stop by the store on the way home, and I got some pretty strange looks from the people around me. The smell that longer, no longer had my attention certainly had theirs. You see, our fear of death works like this. We become used to lives curtailed and shaped by our death fear. We feel vulnerable to share our lives with others because of this fear, and so we rarely open up to people. Love is also costly. It's a real expenditure of ourselves, so we pull back in loving. We become more self-protective and self-focused, always thinking about ourselves. Again, we live this self with this self-absorption, but we can hardly see it. And yes, our sinful strategies we develop as a result. We can't see that it all goes back to our fear of death. So imagine what might happen if that fear were dissolved in the light of Jesus' resurrection. Imagine how we might be more free to live and love and risk. Think of how we could be free from so much of the sin that holds us captive. Yes, this is why Jesus came in human flesh and how he has changed life in our world. Yes, we may think that the resurrection is only for life after death, but it also frees us from the fear that generates so much of our sin. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You see, the end result of seeing the resurrection and know that we too have been set free from death by Jesus is a shocking ability to love. And we see this in Jesus. His freedom from the fear of death meant that he could expend himself out of love for others. This is one of God's purposes in us. He wants us to learn this way of love shown to us by Jesus. Let's pray. Loving Lord, drive deeply into our hearts your truth. Remind us that as death could not hold Jesus, he cannot hold us. Thank you for life, for this eternal life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.